0: Good morning. The reading today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 16. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All
1: right. Thank you, Susan, uh, for that. Susan actually leads Bible Study Fellowship. um, And so uh, she uh, knows how to really dive into God's word. So that was our longest passage yet in Ephesians. So we had to bring in the big big guns for that. So thank you, Susan. Um, So, yeah, good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and um, I typically do the bulk of the preaching here, but um, I'm not this morning, and I'm really excited about um, who we have here to uh, to preach and, and to uh, dive into God's Word together. Before I introduce him, I want to just again point out, in case anyone came in late, um, which I know was nobody, um, except for me, but uh, but um, if you have a question or anything, the many things we walk through that are great opportunities for you to get further plugged in, um, You please fill out a connect card okay so we talked about that if you have any prayer requests any questions for us as a pastoral or a staff team or um anything like that fill out a c- connect card that's the best way to communicate with us and if you want to hear any more about whatever was said that's also a good way um all right we good all right let me introduce my friend um this morning so we as a church are gospel centered and outward focused And one of our um, significant outward focus expressions is through a partnership we have with the ministry here in Tucson called Corazon Ministries. And um, one of the uh, staff members there who helps to lead in that is um, a good friend of mine named Enrique Garcia. And um, he's, he's become a great friend. He's a really, really godly guy. Has an incredible heart for discipleship and evangelism. We got to Take a little trip up to uh, Phoenix together last week in my little 2000 Honda Civic, and um, air conditioner barely works, so you know if someone will spend like a whole day with me in that kind of conditions, he's a, a solid guy, but a good friend, and um, again, I'm really excited for him to, uh, to preach out of God's Word this morning, uh, so I uh, encourage all of us to really uh, look forward to what God has to say, so would you go ahead and help me welcome up my friend, um, Enrique Garcia. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you so much. Uh, you have no idea how honored I, I am right now to be here with you guys this morning. And I never preach on steps like this, so, <laughs> so hopefully that goes well. Uh, but my prayer for you and for myself and for every single one of you this morning is that you will be either encouraged or convicted or blessed today because what I have to say, I'm going to pray right now in a second that it will come directly from the heart of God to you and to me. Because trust me, I don't have anything good to say. Okay? So we're gonna, it's, go, it's all about God's Word. So uh, just a quick announcement. If you are new to Redemption Church, and this is your first time, or you're kind of new, kind of like visiting, and if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. One of the members from Redemption Church is going to give you a Bible. And please, if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift from us to you, so you can keep it and, and start reading God's Word. It'll be great. And I'm going to try to say this in Spanish. It's very hard, but here, here it goes. En español, si tú estás aquí por primera vez, o eres nuevo, o estás visitando, por favor, levanta tu mano y grita fuerte, español, y un miembro de Redemption Church te va a dar una Biblia, y por favor, si no tienes una Biblia, es nuestro regalo para ti. Entonces, esperemos que puedas tener esa Biblia. Did you notice my accent there? <laughs> okay. So let me pray for us this morning, the reign of God's words. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you because your word says that your mercies are new every day, Lord. Thank you because uh, we know that your word has power. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through me. I, I, I pray, Lord, that you will put aside every any distraction, Lord, that is in our hearts and our minds so we can focus on the message that you have. For us today, Lord. So thank you for this great opportunity, Lord. And uh, like Pastor Dave say every Sunday, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so very quick, I would like to give you a small summary of the things that you guys have been learning here at Redemption. And you know, most of you know that you've been in a series in the book of Ephesians. And that's a very awesome book. I really recommend you to to read it. It's only six chapters. And lately, you've been talking about this idea of putting on. Pretty simple, right? Like when you think about putting on, I think about putting on a hat, putting on your shoes, putting on clothes, whatever. But Paul is talking about something else. He's talking about it in a metaphorically and a spiritual way. So the last couple of Sundays and months, You've been seeing this idea of putting on, let me give you an example, putting on generosity, kindness and love, righteousness, I mean righteous anger, encouragement, and last week was put on purity, which I think Pastor David did a great job as always. So the main idea in Paul's words is to put on the new self. And let me read it to you from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 24. This is the main concept that we need to understand before we get into the text this morning. It says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I like Pastor Stephen mentioned, Paul is talking about your new life in Christ. You are a new creation. You know what a new creation means? Something that never existed before. You are not, you are not, okay, I don't know if you feel like that. You are not a better version of yourself. God didn't pass you. So God didn't look at you or me and say, oh, Enrique's kind of messed up, so he needs some patches, and he'll be okay. No, God doesn't do that kind of thing. He made you new, and he made me new. So in the words of Jesus in John 3, you are born again. Now, you are a person with a new spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, now abides in you. And if you are in Christ this morning, you are a person with a new nature. Let me ask you something. When you look yourself in the mirror, I don't know if you do that every day, but when you look yourself in the mirror, what do you see? It's interesting, when I ask that around, I get all these different and very interesting answers. Why is that important? Because the answer that you have to that question is going to tell me a lot about yourself and about your concept of who God is. So do you see your old self? By that I mean that if you still look at yourself and see your past... Or maybe the mistakes of your past? Or in other words, do you still see yourself as you were without Christ? Do you see yourself maybe as a victim? Maybe, you know, you think about maybe some people hurt you very badly or some people abuse you or whatever, and you, for whatever reason, used to hold on to that sin that it was either against you or you sin against others. Do you let that experience experiences or sin define you? Or, or, this is a, this is a good one for guys, do you think that you are what you do? And I'm saying for guys because you know, we, we take very pride of you know, we're hard workers and we have to provide and that, and that kind of thing, right? But for example, if you're a mom here, or a dad, or a student, how many students we have here? There you go, you see, a student, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever you do, is, is that who you are? That might be part, maybe, yeah, I would like to say this of who you are. But that's not who you really are. You want to know who you are? Well, let's, do, let's look at God's word. You know what the Bible says? Well, let me ask you this. How would it look like if we start seeing ourselves as God sees us? Not like you see yourself, not like the world sees you, not like the culture sees you. But how would it look like you really look at yourself and say, you know, God sees me like this? What is the answer? Well, it's in here. And you haven't read this lately or whatever, I'm going to give you something very important the Bible says. Listen to this. The Bible says that you are forgiven, that you are blameless, that you are a child of God, that you are saved by grace like we saw in the text, that you are redeemed, justified, blessed, that you are loved with eternal love, not just any love, but eternal love directly from the heart of God, that you are a member of the body of Christ. That you are complete in Christ. I love this one. That you are free from all condemnation. Not certain or little condemnation, but all condemnation. That you are a citizen of heaven, and I can go on. So, you know, these are kind of like the basics that sometimes we forget, but if we don't really meditate on this, you're going to struggle, and I am going to struggle in my Christian walk. So, and this is the cool part. The good news is everything that I just said has nothing, nothing to do with you or with something that I've done, or that something that I deserve. It's all because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ that he went and died to pay for our sins, and we can be reconciled to God. Isn't that amazing, that gift? So when you look in the mirror, you don't have to be like pride and say, oh, I'm pretty awesome, or that kind of thing. No, it's all about because of God's grace. So why, why am I telling you this? Why am I going like, you know, like, like this with identity? Because when we understand who we are in Christ, and that's a big theme in the book of Ephesians, now we can walk in this new life that God has given us, now that we are in Christ. So now, like we saw in the text, and we're going to talk about this you know, in the next minutes, now we can walk as children of light. And that's why Paul starts chapter 5 of Ephesians, saying that we should be imitators of God. And I'm going to read it to you real quick, uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Pastor Day did a great job last Sunday. Uh, He was explaining the danger of orienting our lives around anything outside of God's provision for us and how sexual immorality is an enemy of love. I don't know if you were here last Sunday, but the sermon is online, so it was a, it's a great sermon. And of course, we're following that, that line, starting in verse 7. So let's get into the text real quick this morning. I want to read, uh, read Ephesians 5, uh, 7 and 8. It says, Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Here's the commandment. Walk as children of light. So let me give you a tip real quick. When you see therefore in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible, okay, you have to pay attention to what it was said before, because Paul was playing a whole thing. So now, when he says therefore, kind of like, okay, now you, now that you get this, then you can do this. And what is Paul talking about in Ephesians? You know, before this in Ephesians 4, it's about this idea that I told you of put on the new self. So when we understand the put on the new self now, you're gonna be able to walk as children of light. Notice that the text says, you know, do not become partners with them. Who is them? Well, you know, we don't have text, but last Sunday, uh, it talks about the sons of disobedience, like the text says in 5 and 6, and basically in other words, the sons of disobedience are people who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And more in context, them refers to those people who are, their lifestyle is manifesta- uh, manifested by sexual immorality, uh, impure ways, and covetousness. And Pastor they talked about that uh, last Sunday. So the text is saying that we cannot be partners or participate with people who have a lifestyle like that, who have a lifestyle of sin. And you say, why not? <laughs> because while Paul is reminding us that we are not darkness anymore. If you, if you pay attention to the text, it says, notice that it doesn't say, for a, what ta- for a one time you were in darkness. You know that doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, "You were darkness." What does that mean? That darkness before Christ—you know, before we repent and trust Him—that darkness, that was our nature. It wasn't just something that we used to do, but it was something that we were. If you pay attention to that text, so spiritually speaking, you know, all of us who have come to Christ, we have like history. You know, I like to say that we, deb- we are, our lives is divided like history. Before Christ and after Christ, and this is the concept that Paul is trying to teach us through this text. And think about it: before Christ, I don't know about you. I'm going to talk for myself, okay? But before Christ, if we're honest, I used to walk, you know, under my own morality. I defined what was right and wrong. You know, I, I was like following the patterns of this world, and basically, basically, I was my own god, if I'm honest. You know, and basically. I live for myself, or we live for ourselves you know, before coming to Christ. So that was us before Christ, past tense. That was us. Because without Christ, let me tell you something. Without Christ, sin, your sin, actually defined you. You were separated from God. You were enemies of God, like the, like the Bible says. So Paul is talking about here an identity shift that you, need, you and me, we need to understand. So, notice that it says, but, you know, also when it says, but, you have to pay attention, it says, but now, and now means that if you are in Christ, that is a present reality in your life. I don't care how you feel, if you don't feel forgiven, or you don't feel blameless, I don't care how you feel, God's word is enough. So, when, uh, notice, notice again that the text says that it doesn't say, you are, you are light, period. It says what? You are light in the Lord. That's very important to notice because the source, who is the source of that light? God. God himself. Exactly. And we want to talk about what that means in a little bit later. So, uh, John, you know, Jesus said in, in John 8, he said this, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the, the light of life. So the commandment is walk as children of light. That's the the, the big idea this morning, right? But let me ask you something before we study that. Do you see yourself as a children of light? Remember what I mentioned about looking yourself in the mirror? When you look at yourself, do you see that? Well, if you don't, hopefully after this Sunday, you will start seeing yourself like that if you are in Christ. So this is one of the big ideas. Jesus is the light of the world. And because Jesus lives in us, we can shine with his light. So back again, it's not about you. It's not about, oh, how wonderful I am. No, it's God doing the work and God's light shining through you and through me. Are you shining Jesus' light in dark places? I don't know. Are you shining his light where God has you now? Are your school, at your job, at your house, even with your family, with your co-workers? If you notice, the text says walk, not like be walking or what. It says walk. It's an imperative verb. That means that it's an ongoing process. That means that it's supposed to be a lifestyle every day, not only on Sundays here when it's nice here in Redemption, and not only maybe when you have Bible studies throughout the week. It's supposed to be, you know, every day of our lives. So let me ask you something more personal, and I want you to meditate on this for you. How is your walk with God today? Not before, not how you want it to be like today. Do you consider your relationship with Christ a priority in your life? Or are you living for other priorities? I'm going to give you an idea. Your career, your job, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kids. Those are not bad things, right? Right? But if whatever takes God's place in your life, that's not a good place to be. And I'm guilty of that. Okay, I'm not saying it so you can feel bad and that kind of thing. It's to meditate on our walk. So how our walk as children of light should look like? You know, because it sounds so cool. Walk as children of light. You're like, yeah, okay, what, what, what does that mean? You're know, like, how do I do it? Well, we're going to jump into that. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Notice, it says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So when you walk in the light of Jesus, your life is going to display at least these three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And of course, if you look at Galatians 5, there's a whole list, a different list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and of course, that's part of it. But here in the context, mention these three you know, uh, qualities. So let's talk about goodness, okay? I have a a, a definition here. Goodness is the ability to respond to others with right motive and love. The ability to respond to others with right motive and love. And like I said, goodness is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that is uh, named in Galatians. How would it look like if we start meditating on God's goodness to the point that we are moved to do good to those around us. Because that should be our motivation, not to do good because, oh, you know, I'm a good person. No, because you have meditated on God's goodness and then you give it to others. So what about, I don't know, I don't know if you can relate to this. What about that coworker that you don't like? Or what about that person that is, you know, according to you is so annoying or whatever, (laughs) you know? how can I be good to that person? How can I be good to him or to her? And this is a principle here because I have experienced God's goodness in my life. I can extend that goodness to those around me. And this is my prayer for you this morning that it doesn't matter how hard life has been to you and it doesn't matter how many trials have you been through. I hope that today Regardless of that, you can still say God is good. Regardless of that. I always tell people that it's a big difference to suffer and to go through those things with God and without God. And hopefully you can still say, you know, kind of like the saying that we say, like, ah, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Even though it's so cheesy, it's a biblical truth. It's, it's part of who God is. You know, because there's a lot of, like, cliches that are not biblical, but that one is biblical. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, so what about righteousness? That righteousness is the knowledge of the right way to act and behave. Now that we have Christ's righteousness, you know, because we don't have our own righteousness, we can display Christ's character in our lives. And basically, I'm saying to live for what is right. And back again... Do you, or do I define what is right? No. Who is our standard of truth and reality and morality and everything? God himself, because he is true. So when I'm talking about being a righteous man, I'm talking about like basically living for God and doing the right thing according to God and not to myself. Does that make any sense? Okay. Am I speaking too fast because I speak? Oh, I forgot to warn you, I have a very thick accent it's too late for that, right? So anyways, (laughs) sorry about that. Okay, let's talk about truth. Because we are in Christ, and remember, Christ says, you know, he is the truth. He doesn't, he didn't say, oh, I am one of the truths, or, you know, it's true for you, but not for me. Like, no, he is the truth. And now we can walk a life of integrity, of real integrity, without selfish motives. And one of my favorite passages in Scripture is John 8, 32, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, he says this powerful he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you what? Shall set you free. So how would it look like if we preach to ourselves something like this and say to God, God, I want to live in your truth every single day. Help me not to buy into the lives of this world. Help me not to base... My identity in what the world says about me, but help me to walk as a children of light, as a child of light. Sorry. So when we walk in these fruits, and when these fruits are a reality in our lives, then guess what's gonna happen? Then Christ's light will shine even brighter in your life and through your life. So I'm talking about in the language of Romans 12:1, I'm talking about one and two, I'm talking about a transformed life. Let me ask you something. Are you continuously being transformed more into the image of Christ? Can you say that you are the same person or you are different from, I don't know, one year ago or two years ago? Because biblically speaking, you know, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. Like that, is different. Everybody goes, grows differently. But we're supposed to be growing all the time. So it doesn't matter if people think that you are a loser because you are a Christian, or it doesn't matter if they disagree with your convictions When you let God shine His light through you, I can promise you this: they will notice. They will be impacted. I always, uh, I always, sometimes not always, but sometimes I say this to people: everything bad that you see in me, that's me, that's my flesh. Okay. But I say, but if you see something good or righteous or whatever that is good, that's God's work in my life. So, let's look at verse 10. I mean, it says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Discern, okay, that's the key word. This is a principle here. Uh, I'm going to talk what, what this means. We often decide what we want without discerning what the will of God is. I don't know if you can relate to this, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I'm not pointing on anyone. I'm pointing on myself. So, for example... How many times have you rushed yourself into decision-making without praying about it? I'm going to put myself in the spot, okay? Let's say that, I don't know, I want to travel. I want to go to, okay, Mexico, sorry. I got to go to Mexico, okay? And then, you know, I plan and everything. Oh, I, I want to go to Guadalajara or to Mazatlan, and I buy the tickets and everything, and I get my suitcase, so I'm going to wear this, and I'm ready to go, okay? And then, I go like, God, please bless my trip. Please bless me because this is your will because, you know, it's kind of cool to go to Guadalajara to visit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And, you know, that's me. How many times have you given, given in to your emotions and made a bad decision? How many times you wanted something so bad that you didn't care what you know, uh, God taught, and you didn't ask for His guidance, and you did it anyways. So, this is, this is a concept that is in this verse to encourage you, okay? I'm not trying to sound mean or anything like that because I'm preaching to myself as well. How would it look like if we actually st- stop, okay? Stop for a minute. I'm thinking about right now the verse of uh, be still and, and know that I am God. Stop for a minute. Pray and ask God for his wisdom in every area of our lives. And it doesn't matter, you know, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how big or small your request is, God cares about that. And the Bible says that God knows our need before we even ask him. So how would it look like if we actually were come to God for every single thing? You know, I don't know if you agree with this, but a long time ago I heard that a pastor said that you even have to ask God if you want to buy a dress or you want to do this or that. And I was like, it's true. But we don't think, you know, we don't think about it because we're so used to, kind of like to function and you just, you just do things. <laughs> so I, hear a lot, I don't know if you, you can relate to this. I have heard that a lot of people say things like, you know, I want to know what God's will for my life is or I don't know what God's will for my life is, right? And by that, that means that basically somehow they want to God to tell them everything like this and very easy, and, okay, like, do it. Okay, God, which college do you want me to go? To go? Oh, to a viewway, okay, thank you. Sometimes it's not like that. Because God works better sometimes in the process than just like that. Does that make any sense? So, and when people s- tell me this, I basically tell them something like, if you want to know God's will for your life, then you really, really have to get to know him. What do you mean by that? And I go like this: If you really want to get to know God, here's His word. He didn't leave us like wondering, like, oh, you know, what should I do with my life? No, here. That's why. That's why it's all about the word of God, right? And the more you know God's character, the more you're gonna be able to discern what His will is for your life. So when we get to this place, we will be in a better position to discern what is God's will, period. You know, and I love this verse. I think it's 1 Thessalonians, forgive me, but it's so straightforward. It says, and this is the will of God that you will be sanctified. Oh, there you go. You want to know what's God will There you go. Be sanctified, you know. I mean, it's part of it. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do. So let's continue with the text in verse 11 and 12. It says, take no part in, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Back again, notice that it doesn't say, don't even talk to those people who live in darkness. It doesn't say that, right? The verse is talking about what? It's talking about the works, the unfruitful works of darkness. So basically, it's talking about the lifestyle of people, certain people. And what is important, because like I said before, our lives and our fruit and our works should look different. We just talk about, you know, those fruits. So take, for me and for you, let's take no part in actions, situations, or whatever that don't honor God. But, and this is my evangelistic maybe kind of, Spirit, you know. <laughs> do not separate yourself from people who are in darkness. Or from the culture. Like Stephen said, you know, do you think the culture is pretty godly with a lot of light? I don't think so. But we need to, we need to be among these people. The challenge is to be among them, okay, but to be different. Because a lot of people get kind of like freak out and say, no, you know, if I can't like befriend this person, like, like No. You know, you have to be careful. You have to be wise. But Paul is saying that we can do that. We actually can be among them and influence them and be a, make a difference. So we can let's, let's be different to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We are in the world, but we are not from this world. Who said that? Who said that statement that I just said? Jesus And I'm going to share with you real quick uh, a passage in John 17. This prayer is an amazing prayer that Jesus does to his Father. Jesus is praying before he goes to the cross, and after praying for himself, he starts praying for his disciples. Okay? And if you are a Christian, you should be a disciple. So this prayer is for you and for me. Pay close attention to these words. I'm going to read it real quick. It says... You know, Jesus is speaking. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. There you go. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. There you go. Again, the concept. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So think about Jesus' life. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He actually spent time with them. Actually, in Matthew 9, there's a part when he calls Matthew, he's sitting down, you know, having a meal with the tax collectors and with these, like, horrible sinners. And in the context, tax collectors were, like, the worst of the worst, So that adds power to the text, you know. So the religious leaders, the Pharisees, come to Jesus, and they blast him because they say, oh, so now you are part of them. And Jesus is like, mm-mm. What did Jesus do? He loved people in truth. He never, never encouraged or celebrated people's sin. But he confronted people but with love and with grace. And we shall imitate that. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I say that again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And what do I mean by that? Basically that People need to know that you really love them. People need to know that you really care for them. When we're talking about like shining God's light in, into people's lives, you need to translate, I mean, to communicate that love in people's lives. Let me ask you something. Will you trust some? I mean, will you listen to someone that you don't trust? Probably not, right? So how are we trying to share God's love with people if we actually we're not genuine in our love? So let me ask you something. Do you, do you really have a heart for people who don't know Jesus? Do you have a burden? You know, don't feel bad if you don't have a burden, OK? But if you don't, pray that God will give you that burden, that he will give you his eyes to see people, to see lost people as, as he sees lost people who have not had a relationship with him. Think about the circle of influence that you have right now. Think about your job, your school, I don't know. Whatever you are, university, play. I mean, play. Pray. Sorry. Pray that God will give you open doors and open opportunities for the gospel, either in words because the gospel is a message, right? And also in deeds. And in deeds, I mean, you transform life. That is a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, as Christians, we are not called only to not be involved in the works of darkness, but to expose them. Expose. Like a big war, right? Exposed. Sometimes it's kind of like you have different ideas of that. So how 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 do you and how how do we expose the unfruitful wars of darkness? Basically, I'm gonna tell you like this by living our Christian lives before others, by letting the life of Christ shine through us. I try to make it simple, you know. But basically when I all starting, I'm like, that's it. Because as we live and speak with goodness, with righteousness, and we live in true, uh, those who live in darkness will see the difference in our lives. We should look like Christ. And, you know, like your own personal life, think about like, God, okay, you know, I'm not perfect, whatever, but you can still use me. Like, who do you want me to reach? Who do you want me to love in a more intentional way? And trust me, if you pray that hard enough, that will give you, maybe a person will pop up in your mind. And be obedient to, you know, to follow through that. And, you know, before we get into, I'm kind of like a performance-driven person. So before we get into, oh, you know, I'm going to tell people about Jesus, that kind of thing, let me remind you something that is very important and very practical. We don't have the ability to bring into people, to bring conviction into people's lives. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. I am not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit advising me, and that's why I have to pray that say, like, God, speak to me. So, you know, don't feel bad that, oh, you know, I tried and nothing happened. Like, no, it is God, is a, you know, He's responsible for the outcome. We are just accountable to obey Him. So don't ever give be discouraged like, oh, you know, I tried and then it didn't happen. Like, no, you were obedient and that's enough. So let's look at verse, let's continue with verse 13 and 14. He says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, am I there? Yes. It says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Sorry, I jumped apart. Let me go back. This is the main idea. Our hope is that those who live in darkness might see the life of God in us and be drawn to the life that Jesus offers. Because what kind of life that Jesus offers? You remember what he said? I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. And of course that means a spiritual abundant life, a life with God. So, I don't know, let me ask you something. Are you still, you know, are you still ashamed that to say that you're a Christian with your friends? Are you still maybe hiding your Christianity? Or in what in what ways are you shining that light, Jesus' light, in people's lives? So let's see if you pay attention uh, to verse 13 and 14, let's go back to there. Paul is saying, in other words, that it is gonna be supposed to be obvious difference in how we live our lives. Okay, I'm gonna to try to only illustrate this. Hopefully this makes sense with this example, okay? Let's say we're talking about exposing the, you know, the works of people in darkness. Let's say that I live in Flagstaff. Okay, there's a redemption campus in Flagstaff, right? Okay, let's say that I go to Flagstaff. No, I live in Flagstaff, and then, as you know, over there we have a lot of you know, snow, and snowstorms cancel the time. So. Let's say that my car gets extremely dirty because, you know, all the mud and the dirt and the snow, and it's a mess, my car, you know. I don't even try to watch it because, like, who cares, you know, it's going to get dirty again, right? And then when I look around, all the, you know, everybody's cars look exactly the same. So I don't think it's a big deal, and I don't even think that my car is dirty because, you know, comparing to anyone, it's the same, you know, so I don't see any difference. But let's say that one day I drive down to Tucson where it's sunny and hot, and I'm driving, and then all of a sudden I look around and I see all these, like, cars around me. And of course, these clean cars, comparing to mine, they look like completely clean. And what is it does? Those cars expose my filthiness of my car. Does that make sense? So think about it in those terms. And of course, at that point, I like just want to run to a car wash you know, and wash my car. In that way, our lives, you know, our, let's put it like this, our clean lives should expose people's filthiness in their lives. And we pray that when they see that, and God, is, God has to reveal that to them, we pray that when they see that, they will go like that to wash their sins at the cross. And that's our prayer. So you look at that, awake or sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let me ask you something. Which name, which person in your life we like to put that over there where it says sleeper which person do you really care that he's not you know he doesn't know Christ that you say awake oh you know Jonathan or Jeremy or Kate whatever you know pray that pray that you will uh, pray for that person that don't know Christ so you know when i think of this metaphor like light versus darkness i think it's so powerful because when i usually think of darkness specifically in darkness I think about that I'm lost, that I don't know where I'm going, that, you know, I have no hope because it is so dark. And in the context of Scripture, this talks about the spiritual condition of our soul when we were without Christ, okay? And, of course, the light represents the, the life of God that he puts in us, the life that God gives us. So let me tell you a story real quick. I was in, a, in Mexico City like, when I was like 10 years old, something like that, and we went to this children's museum, okay? And it was like this station when you're supposed to go in because they wanted you to feel how a blind person lives, because I cannot say how a blind person sees, right? I cannot say that. So how to experience that. So I was like, okay, you know, it's kind of cool, I don't care. So I went in, and I remember when, as soon as they shut the door behind me, it was like completely Huge darkness. You know, sometimes when you close your eyes and you can still see, see kind of like rayless of the sun or whatever, like right now? No, like it wasn't nothing, nothing like that. Okay, and on top of that, I was supposed to find the exit. So picture me like trying to walk and bumping myself into stuff. You need to, there were things that you need to crawl and then, and then you need to jump because you need to continue. And it was like, I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. And then on top of that, I was leading. You know, all my costs, because we were, like, holding hands. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know where I'm going? I'm like, no, but you have to get out, you know, that kind of thing. You know, the blind, the blind leading the blind, perfect example. And by God's grace, eventually, you know, we, I mean, we found the exit. And then, you know, we were laughing, like, ah, you know, whatever. And then I remember I talked to one of the staff from there, and, and she told me, oh, like, you did great. And I'm like, what do you mean? It took forever, like, to get the exit. I'm like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. There's been times that we have to turn on the lights and get people out of there. And I was like, why? Because people get so desperate. There's, people have started screaming. Pe- some people like pass out. We have to turn on the lights and get them out of there. Why am I sharing this with you? Why, why, why am I sharing this with you? Think about that example in spiritual terms. Think about what a life in darkness looks like. Not only looks like, but what it is in reality. How God sees it. So when we look at people that don't know Christ, do we see them like that? Do we actually think that they're lost, that they need God or not? And of course, they they need to see that need, but we are there to tell them about Jesus, right? That there's hope. So the more we walk as children of light, the more you're going to shine truth into people's lives. So let's continue with the text 15 and 16. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of of the time because the days are evil. The Christian walk is not easy. Can you agree with that? We have to be very careful in how we live our lives in this fallen world. Walk as wise people. That is the commandment. You know, some people confuse wisdom with knowledge. They're not the same. Okay? Wisdom is the true and correct and right application of knowledge. So I can be very knowledgeable, but, but not wise. So let me give you an example. Knowledge memorizes Scripture. Wisdom obeys Scripture. So for example, I can know all the Bible by heart, you know, yeah, I can know that. But if I'm not applying that to my life, who am I kidding? Who cares that I know Jesus and he went to the cross? Who cares, you know? And even worse, if I don't believe it, who cares? That's not very wise. Or I can post on Facebook, on Instagram, every day, Bible verses. Oh yeah, God's so all over the world, and I can do that. And then, oh yeah, you know, I'm serving God, whatever. But then, if that is not a reality in your life, then I am a fool. Knowledge learns of God, wisdom loves him. There are people who love more theology than God Himself. And I'm not saying that theology like from... Theology basically means the concept, you know, and who God is. Okay, we need to study that because that's who God is, you know. But some people get more kind of in the doctrine like this, this is that God Himself. Because God is not something that you study, that you can manipulate. God is the creator. He's God. He's a person. So the book of Proverbs, if you read the whole book of Proverbs, it's all about this idea of two paths, the path of the righteous and the path of the fool. And do you know what is another word for fool in the Bible? Unwise. That's why uh, I'm sharing this with you because it has to do with the text. So let me tell you something very practical, okay? Surround yourself with godly people in your life because that is going to affect you in a big way how you live your life. It is very important the relationships and the friendships that you choose to grow as a Christian. So, I don't know if you do already, but if you don't have a mentor trying to find a mentor in your life, not only one, several mentors, try to find mentors. Because You know, or someone that is wiser than you, you know, it's always good to do that. You know, I have, you know, I have a mentor, and when I, sometimes, one time I asked my mentor, hey, why are you so wise? You know, because he is, and he's like, I'm not wise, I just hang out with wise men. (laughs) And you know who those wise men were? His mentors. And I was like, that's pretty practical, isn't it? (laughs) Cool. I'll do it. Okay, let me encourage you with this. If you need wisdom for any area of your life, I want to encourage you with this scripture. It's not on the screen, but it's James 1 and 5. And it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. No, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. A lot of people grab this verse and try to apply it to every single prayer. No, the context is wisdom. You want to know more? The context... It's wisdom where you're going to trials. So, if you have no idea how to walk in wisdom, just pray to God, you know, get to know him, read the scriptures, meditate on it. Because remember, we have to do several things with this. One thing is to read the Bible. Another thing is to study it. Another thing is to meditate on it. And another thing is to apply it. We need to do all of that. That sounds like a lot of work, right? But God is the one who has the work, so don't, don't be overwhelmed verse 16 says making the best use of time of the time because the days are evil do you know that time is a gift from god to you do you know that he knows exactly how many days you have left on this earth he knows exactly how many heartbeats left you have left on this earth so let me ask you something how are you spending your time are you making best use of it, like the verse says? And I want you to encourage you with these verses, hopefully uh, they're on the screen, to, to tell you how fragile our life is. Okay? Well, let me read it. in Psalm 39:4 says this, O oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. James 4:13 4, and 14 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know what another translation is for mist? Vapor. And then finally, Psalm 90, 12, it says this. So, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of, what are we talking about? Wisdom. So think about your everyday life. Count the hours. What are you doing? What do you do in those hours? What are you thinking about all day? Where are you putting your money, your effort, your energy, your gifts, your talents? Are you becoming more like Christ every day? I don't know. Are you sharing the gospel with others? Are you praying for people? Are you living for the things of this world? Are you living for Jesus? You know, the text says that the days are still evil, and that's true today as well. Why? Because we still live in a fallen and broken world. Life is hard, like I said before. We are bombarded with temptations every day. Uh, you know, we sin against people, and people sin against us. You know, when I see evil in the world, in general, you know, I remind myself that things are not the way they're supposed to be. And that they are not as they were intended to be in the beginning, if you read Genesis 1. I mean, the first chapters of Genesis. But all I know is that one day God will make everything new. And But for us, until that day comes, we have to continue to walk as children of light. So that this world that lives in darkness will know that there is a God who wants to redeem and to reconcile people to himself. In the language of 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says that we are ministers of reconciliation. Let me give you something practical of that. Because we have been reconciled to God, and we know what that is, and we know that that's a letter in our life. Now we can tell people, hey, doesn't matter how hopeless you feel, let me tell you that you can be reconciled to God. And, of course, we know that, that reconciliation is through Jesus Christ. That is the message. I'm about to close here. Um, do you know what is the actual definition of darkness? What is darkness? The absence of light. In practical terms, when you think of people who are in darkness, that means that Christians are not shining light on those people's lives. How are they going to know that they are in darkness if we don't come and shine Jesus' light to them? How are they gonna know? They won't. Another definition for darkness is where light is not present. Okay, it's another way of saying it, right? So where do you need to be present? Where do you need to shine the most? You know, as a church, we need to walk in light so we can, so we can shine the life of Christ to the people and to the community around us. The cool part is that, as a church, we do it together. And let, let me illustrate that, okay? One time, I was at a Christian concert in a big stadium, okay? And then there was one time that this, I think it was the preacher or one member of the band, you know, told the stage, because the only lights were the ones on the stage. He said, hey, okay, let's turn off all the lights. And they, pfft, and it was complete darkness, OK? And then the guy on the stage goes like this and takes out his cell phone and turns on the, light flash, I mean the flashlight and says, please do me a favor. Everybody here, if you have a cell phone with a flashlight, get it out and shine your light. I couldn't believe it. I still remember, and I'm like, wow. All of a sudden, I see all these lights popping. You're like, pff. I mean, they don't make sound, you know, but like pop, 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 pop. <laughs> you know, I say like, pff, 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 you know? and. Listen to this. In a matter of seconds, in a matter of seconds, I could see everything. Everything, the people next to me, the people around me. I was like far away from the stage. I could see all the way to the stage. I look up. I could see the ceiling on the stadium. I was like, "Wow." Why am I sharing this story with you? Because when we walk as children of light, it doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter that your light might be small compared to that huge darkness. When everybody, when you and me, when we turn our little lights, we illuminate everything. We overcome that darkness together as one church. So, you know, when I was starting, like literally God brought me that experience and I was like, oh my, that's, that's true. It is true, you know, when you think in spiritual terms. So... You know, don't think like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough or whatever. No, your light doesn't matter it's like this. It is powerful. And even if you are the only Christian in the dark room, like, your light will make a difference. So the concept at the end, uh, after putting on the new self, we need to walk in. And in chapter 5, it talks about these three things, that we need to walk in love, walk in light, as we saw today, and walk in wisdom as well. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God can use you to bring people into his kingdom? Yes? No? Maybe when I feel like it. And remember, you can say yes with confidence because remember that it's not about you. So, let's shine together in the different places where God has placed us all of us for his name for his glory. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, okay, because I know I talk a lot. Let me give you an application inward, like, so you can apply it to yourself, okay? Let's pretend that your life is a house, okay? And that house has different rooms, a lot of rooms, actually, okay? There are areas of your life that you are doing okay right now. By that, I mean that, you know, you're letting Christ's light shine on those areas in your life. So, that is represented by those rooms that had light on it, But there are other areas as well that you haven't let God shine his light on those areas or those issues. And what I'm trying to say is there are so many rooms in the house that need light. That's a truth for myself. I don't know about you, you know. So let me ask you, what are those rooms in your life? What are those areas in your life that you need to surrender to God that you haven't done? What are those areas that you need to let God shine on? We need to be willing to obey God and so he can shape us. Let me illustrate something real quick. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> so, you see a light? Okay, you know, we don't need light because we're Christians here, so it's kidding. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's, pretend that that's the light of Christ shining through me, right? But then when I'm being stubborn, when I don't care about God, what happens is that I'm starting like, to block that influence in my life. So I might be, you know, shining that little bit, but not like this. So when we are like doing our thing and following our ways, we kind of like, start blocking that influence. Influence. So I'm not saying that God can use you when you're like being disobedient, but I'm saying that you probably won't be as effective as much. So let's shine like this, and let's not do this. So this is our prayer for all of us. Lord, I want your light to shine in all of my life, not just certain areas. I want to surrender everything to you. Help me to continue to shine in this dark world. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, thank you so much uh, for these words of Paul this morning, Lord. Thank you because you have given us the, the guide, Lord, in how to walk as children of light. Help us to do this, Lord. Help us to really shine your light into people's lives. and you know, let us that you will shine your light in us. And I know, Lord, that uh, you have a purpose for maybe all the friends that they don't know Jesus that are around us, Lord. But we will pray for transformation. We will pray that every single day we will look more like Jesus in his character, that we will love like him, that we will forgive like him. that We will treat people with uh, respect and that we actually love them, Lord. Not to be faking our love, but really to love them, Lord. And we know that Even our own love is selfish, Lord. So we pray that your love will flow within us, into people. So thank you, Lord. You know, like that song says, help us to let our light shine because you are the main star, you are the headlight, you are the spotlight, Lord. So we thank you for that. I thank you for this opportunity of sharing your your word this morning, and I pray that you will bring uh, conviction into people's heart. And not that we just be hearers of the word, like James said, but we actually... Uh, be doers of the world. So we thank you for this morning, and I pray all of this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.